What is up, people? Thank you for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. It is our NBA Finals preview, so we'll be telling you everything you need to know about the Celtics and Warriors matchup. Both teams advancing to the NBA Finals after surviving their conference final series. The Warriors had a much easier time than the Celtics, who had to go to a Game 7 against the Miami Heat course Kendall is a resident Celtics fan on this podcast so he'll have plenty to say about the Celtics we'll have plenty to say about this matchup which I think is going to end up being potentially a very very interesting matchup to watch so can't wait to talk about the NBA finals we'll also talk about those two teams that did not make it to the finals the Miami Heat and the Dallas Mavericks particularly the Heat had some very controversial things happen during game seven you had a three-pointer taken away you had Jimmy Butler going for it all yeah, Tyler Hero looking like barbecue chicken out there on a strained groin. <laughs> um, so I, I got a lot to say about what happened to Miami Heat and, and what the Dallas Mavericks have to look forward to after their conference finals run. We have some interesting nuggets coming from New York. Yes, New York. Of course, I'm the resident Knicks fan, and one of the Knicks beat writers is saying that the Knicks are open to trading up in this draft, which I find very fascinating. Of course, we do plenty of draft content on New Generation Media. If you go to our YouTube channel right now, our first NBA mock draft that we've ever done, ever, is up right now. The first 14 picks we have up on our YouTube channel, so make sure you check that out. We'll talk about the Knicks and their opportunity to potentially trade up later on in this podcast. So should be a great show all around. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, I would say how are you, but I know you're feeling great. Your team is in the NBA Finals. That had to be... A very, very tenuous last few minutes of that game seven. What was your reaction when the Celtics finally got it done and advanced to the final? When that clock hit zero and now Horford threw that ball up into the rafters? Uh <laughs> well, honestly, the, the 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 tipping point moment of that game was the Jimmy Butler shot. Because that was the that was the climax of the, of the series, honestly. Um, you felt like it all came down to if he makes this shot, the Heat are going to the finals probably. And if he misses it, it's game over and Celtics are, are moving on. And, you know, there's been a lot made about did he make the right decision? Should he have taken Horford to the basket? Um, was it a good look? I, I thought it was a good shot. The, the, the way I view it, is I would have felt a lot more comfortable with him going to the basket because I knew we were up by two. So right in my mind, and you like, as a, you as a Celtic fan, you or as a anybody Celtic, on yeah, the Celtics, Celtics, right? Yes, me as a Celtics fan would have been a lot more comfortable if he would have decided I'm putting my head down and going to the basket. And look, something bad could happen there. He can get fouled and make right. the shot, and still he had, he had plenty of great and ones in that game. Yeah, yeah, whole series, man. So yeah. That's very possible that Jimmy Butler could have gotten an one as well, but I would have felt a lot more comfortable about him taking the taking it to the rack, forcing the ref to make a call if that, um, and forcing him to make a potentially tough finish. But Horford was playing him for the drive, gave him a lot of space, and he rose up. You know, he's the best player on the team. He's, I know his three point percentage. We could talk about it not being great, but he's hit that shot. He's hit big shots in this series. Yep. Uh, and in these playoffs, so I, I don't know. Again, as a Celtics fan, I can say I did not feel great about him rising up in that moment, us up to 
having given the momentum and just the way yeah. the, the the game was going, that would have been a dagger that I don't think we could have recovered from. Whereas again, you get you get a bat, you get a bucket, it's tie game. Who knows? Um, I thought he was, I thought it was a smart shot. It didn't go in. All of this is hindsight, you know. I mean, Mark Jackson said it. You know, if he goes in, <laughs> he's a legend. You know, right, exactly. and I know obviously that you can say that with a lot of shots in, in, in NBA history, but that's a clean look. So, yeah, I mean, that that one, you know, my heart sunk when it went up and when it, when it didn't go down. I mean, we're talking about a, a sigh of a huge, huge sigh of relief. Um, and yeah, I mean, now, you know, you just feel like, you know, it's a huge monkey off the back, I think, for the, for these guys. Yeah. You know. We'll get to we'll get to it more so, but as a fan, I can tell you that the Celtics team been to the conference finals a lot. We've had a lot of expectations. The, we've we've been expected to come out of the Eastern Conference now for five years, and we finally do it in a year where nobody thought we would go right. into. It. So, um, you know, I mean, I remember all the preseason people talking about yeah, this Eastern Conference. I mean, you got, you know, Brooklyn, obviously, and Milwaukee, the defending type champs. And, you know, Philly should be good, depending on what happens with Ben Simmons. And, you know, Miami should be good, and Atlanta. And, you know, you know, and the, the Celtics were an afterthought for a while. I'll tell you what, I, I can guarantee you, someone, if they want to do the work, can go back into this, you, this uh, podcast stream and find the episode, the preview episode, when I probably said that I didn't get why people were putting the Knicks behind the Celtics in some of their, in some of their previews. I know some people weren't. Yeah. And I was one of the people that thought that the, the Knicks should have been ahead of the Celtics as they were last season. So right. you're 100% right about that. They, the expectations were not high at all for the Celtics this season. Yeah. And I, you know, I, for the most part, I tried to stay out of that because, you know, whenever your team's involved, you know, you know, you know your bias. So I'm just like, I'm refusing myself from, from, from that discussion. But, I mean, I knew in my head, I was like, I mean, we have a lot of the same pieces. I know last season didn't go the way we, we wanted it to. We also weren't healthy. So, I, I mean, I knew it was like, look, if Tatum plays at the level he can play at, that, you know, we should be we should be there at the end. Whether or not we win the East is a whole other conversation, but we should be – we should be the – I the Hawks. I mean, you knew me. I, I wasn't a, a right, yeah, you so never, I was like, When I heard that, I was like, all right. If we think the Hawks can win the East, then we certainly have a shot. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're here now. So I, I mean, there's still obviously one more, one more series you got to get through, but uh, it should be exciting. Uh, it's, it's 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 definitely will be exciting, and I will say this real quickly, just on the Butler shot. I don't understand why people were so mad at Butler. I understand he's not the greatest three point shooter, and I'll be blunt. He's not a good three-point shooter. I think that's fair to say, given what he's done in the past few years. But the dude just came off of a historic game six where he made four for eight from three. I know he didn't shoot necessarily great in that game seven. He was one for three at the time before he missed and went one for four from three. But I've seen Jimmy Butler hit clutch threes throughout his entire career. It was Much tougher rhythm. shots than that. Much tougher shots than that. It was in rhythm, in transition, Horford's on his heels. Horford is expecting to drive. He's an excellent rim protector, excellent at verticality. I'm just totally fine with my star player, who I know can hit clutch threes, shooting there. I don't. I don't know. I feel like it's a little, uh, you know, armchair coach or armchair, uh, you know, what I guess armchair coach is the right term. You know, to 
to say, oh, he should have drove because he missed a shot. I mean, I, I know for certain, like you said, any Celtics fan who saw that ball up in the air, just, <laughs> I mean, that must, that must it must have felt like that ball was up in the air for, for an eternity, even though yes. Butler shoots a, a you know, notoriously flat shot. It must have felt like the ball was up in there for an eternity because it was straight on line, and he had killed you guys for the last two games. So, and just the way that last minute was going, and the way the, the way the momentum was going, man, like shot. the way the Celtics were just throwing the game away with these Marcus Jalen Brown going and taking stupid shots. Yeah, Smart and Brown just taking these just ridiculous shots. Like it was like y'all were just asking for them to to steal this game. So I think you live with that. I, I you know I, I, he had a chance to win, take his team to the finals. The guy had been epic up until that point. I had no problem with Jimmy Butler taking that three, but staying on this this championship matchup between the Celtics and the Warriors. There's the first thing I want to say about this matchup is one. This really to me is like, this is like, again, you know, you know, I'm a wrestling fan. We just talked about wrestling before we went on the air. This is some like true, like Vince McMahon booking to me when it comes to like getting a store, getting storylines that make sense and putting the right matchup together to put on to your main event of a WrestleMania type of situation. Because if you think about the Warriors and Celtics, one, two premier franchises, the Warriors now a premier franchise in this new era of the NBA, of course, not before Steph Curry showed up. Um, the Celtics, you know, maybe the premier franchise outside the Lakers, though Celtic fans will tell you over the Lakers. Um, two premier franchises, but they couldn't really be more different. They have similarities in the fact that a lot of homegrown talent, but differences in that one side, you have the trio, the core for the Warriors in Curry, Draymond, and Clay that have won multiple championships, that have been to the finals, that have been there before and were counted out and dismissed as you know yesterday's news the past two seasons, not making the playoffs last year, uh, being even worse the year before, being one of the worst teams in the NBA due to all the injuries, Clay having two seasons of injuries. The Celtics also written off, but for very different reasons. As Kendall said, written off because they had gotten close to the precipice, but couldn't crack through. Couldn't beat LeBron, couldn't beat Jimmy Butler, couldn't beat Giannis, couldn't beat the Nets. And they were a team that was looked at and said, this is a team that is all false promise, and they we, we'd be better off just starting over with maybe one, half of this star tandem that they have and really moving around these entire pieces because none of this worked out. So these teams, even though they've both been written off, even though they're both big franchises, they couldn't be further from different in that regard. They also couldn't be different from the fact that you have older players in the Warriors in terms of, again, the star players that will be leading the crew versus a younger team with the Celtics who have not been proven in these postseason, in the finals uh, postseason. They have been through a lot of wars in the playoffs, but like I said, they come up short oftentimes. So here you kind of got this great matchup of, well, you see legacy is going to be cemented one way or another. Someone's legacy is getting cemented, which is why I say this is a perfect wrestlemania type of match because it's either the cementing of a legacy for the likes of clay steph and draymond where they hit the the number four championship and to me when you hit four 
that's a different level. That's a different stratosphere. That's there's just not too many guys that get four. Even three is really hard. But there are a select group of guys who have three. Four is elite class. They have a chance to really cement their legacy and kind of put each of them, whether it be Clay, who you know some people feel like should have been in the top seventy-five, Stephen Curry, who now we're talking about is he top ten of all time? Draymond Green, we know he's an all-time great defensive player, all-time great team kind of guy. Puts all those guys in different stratosphere. And then with the Celtics, we have guys that are trying to establish themselves as true modern-day superstars, modern-day legends, so to speak, of the game. Where Jason Tatum, a guy drafted number three, Celtics traded it down from one to take this guy. He gets put into a stratosphere among the elite players in this league if he's able to win this title. Jalen Brown gets taken from maybe nice star player that probably needs to move on somewhere else and maybe isn't a guy that can win it. You can win a championship with as your second guy. Now he gets put on the stratosphere of being, you know, maybe like a Clay Thompson like in terms of a number two option type of player. So it's just I just find I don't know how you how you've watched this matchup, Kendall. I know you have a different lens because you're watching from a pure green Celtic lens. But I just think like observing this matchup from afar, the storylines are very fascinating. I think it makes for a crowning in a major way on both sides. I feel like this is two years in a row. We had the kind of the same thing with Phoenix and Milwaukee, though the crownings were different. We knew it was going to be a crowning in one way or another. It was Chris Paul finally going to win a championship or Giannis was going to finally win a championship. But the, you know, the, the finalies in both of those situations are, they were different. Here, once again, I feel like we're about to see another crowning that's going to happen. That's going to be big news. It's not going to be just whatever. Like sometimes, like when the when the Spurs like winning their championships three and four, they were big, but it just seemed like they were inevitable. It was kind of like okay, whatever. Um, like this just feels very important. <laughs> this finals, and I can't wait to watch these games. But have, do you see some of that lens the same way I see it? Yeah, and, and, you know, to me, it, you can say two things. You can call it two things. You can call it a crime, but I think on the on the other side of the spectrum, what it does is it creates pressure on both sides because I think there's there are a lot of different parties that, you know, like you said, there's a lot at stake. And because of that, you know, I think... That's interesting create, you say that because I kind of feel like both sides are playing with house money. So why do you feel that that creates pressure? Yeah, at, at Golden State maybe playing with more house money than Boston. Um, I think for Boston, it's it's pressure because we talked about it. Um, well, I don't, we talked about it all fair, I believe. But you know that Game Seven was a lot of pressure for Boston because they hadn't made it obviously to the finals with this group and. Um, the window in the Eastern Conference isn't wide open. Um, it's, I mean, their window is not necessarily closing. They'll always be in the conversation as long as those guys are there and they're healthy. But, um, but the East is tough. Again, they weren't favored to come out of it this year. They weren't the one seed. They weren't, um, you know, again expected uh, as some 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 lock NBA Finals team, and. You know, they got there through some circumstances that, you know, injuries and good matchups and this and that. 
but you can't always bank on that happening every every year and um this may this may be your and you have a matchup in the west from you know with a team in the west where it's not a super team it's a great team um that's going to be tough and it'll be a real championship you'll earn a ring if you win it but you got you know this isn't the, the warriors with kevin durant this isn't you know um obviously like the miami heat with lebron and wade and Bosch. so you feel like this is a beatable team um so you gotta kind of you really have to capitalize it capitalize on it and for golden state you feel sort of the same way in terms of the window for them certainly from an age standpoint and a timeline standpoint isn't going to be open for very long right and they also were not necessarily favored to come out of the west um we're not favored to win the west going into the season although i know you were higher on them than a lot of people and you know there were some people that that believed that golden state would be there at the end but was certainly was not the consensus and you know, you feel like that they're both of these teams are very, are overachieving to a degree, and you never want to be Phoenix. You know, we because we sort of said this about Phoenix last year. Well, you know, they're sort of playing with house money because they're not supposed to be here, but you never know when you're going to get back. And right. you know, as great of a season as Phoenix had, they couldn't even get to the conference finals. So, yeah, um, you know that that is the that is really the thing is that. You know, and Golden State, you talked about what can be accomplished if you win this title, especially with no Durant there. You you, you get rid of the the idea that those championships with Durant were fluky because yeah, it was there, some there, there, there are those folks. Yeah, there are those folks that like reject the notion that Golden State is a dynasty because they feel like they manufactured. Yeah, it, yeah, like like the you know, they had certain things happen that kind of worked in their favor that kind of made it inevitable for them to win all those titles. And then right. some people would be look at the first title and say, well, Kevin Love was hurt and Kyrie Irving was hurt. So like yes. how all real was that? Yeah. You know, like, like there are people, who, I'm not saying I agree with all these people. I'm just saying those people are out there. There are people who make yes. these cases. So and this, I, I get this would be, go a long way in shutting those people up. Yeah. This would be really affirming. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think for me, that means like, yes, they have a lot to gain. Who do you think? Individually, well, I'll let you finish, but I was just real, just real quickly. I do want to hear your question. The only thing I'll, I'll I'll disagree with is, I think all the points you're making are why I think there's a lot to gain for each of these teams. But the reason, real quickly, the reason why I'll say I'm not sure if I still feel like they're playing with house money and there's not as much to lose is because, like I said, the Warriors, yes, there are the detractors, but it's hard to kind of deny three championships. It's hard to deny the greatness of these individual players and this coach. So. I think it's kind of everything is just gravy now. Like, if they get this, they're just hitting now. Like, again, like they're hitting the Damn. pantheons of the greatest of the greats that I know they want, and I, I, but I don't know if it, it, that I don't know if pressure comes it, with that. I, I guess the thing I say, man, is today's basketball discord. I know, I know. Like, if You're this was football, point. like the Bengals were legitimately playing with house money. I know you feel like, you know, if they get there, if they win it, like, yeah, but like, no one's going to say Joe Burrow stinks because they didn't win the Super Bowl and they only put up, yeah. you know. 14 points or whatever they did like 17 points like regardless yeah we all know the Bengals were great but in the nba it's gonna be because remember like during that super bowl remember i had to like i had i was one of the only people making a case for why the rams had a lot of pressure remember i was one saying like maybe they better do something like no one was really riding that (laughs) riding that wave that i was on you know right Um, because it's just not the way that 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 is we kind of have an acceptance that 
making this making it to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl is like impossible. So right. like we just don't really kill you for like not winning it. Right. Like, you can, now if you go a lot of times you don't win, like Buffalo, then it kind of becomes a thing. But most of the time we kind of understand. I think it, and, it's very and, different with the NBA. That is fair. You know, and just and with this Steph Curry, like Curry is the one really that. I, I don't know if I can say from a legacy standpoint he's playing with house money because and again it's it's I mean it and I think he I agree with you because we look at basketball in a lens that's not as hot takey. So Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, in my right. mind you mean, you mean, Yeah. Yeah, in my mind, Steph Curry is playing with house money. He's already a Hall of Famer, he's already a top whatever you want to call him, fifteen, top five point guard, whatever you want to call him. Like that that's already cemented. This would only be gravy from that standpoint. But we have these people that don't look at it from a how great is he. They look at it from why isn't he Jordan? You know why didn't you? Why didn't you have a Finals MVP? Exactly. Why have you hit more? Why have you hit more? Why did you? Shots? Why did you recruit Durant? Why did you need Durant? Yeah. Why did you need Durant to win more? Yeah. It's it's like so. Yeah. Those people will will only use that as more added fuel to say Curry isn't this. He's not that. Which. Again, I don't personally care about those people, but that is, I guess, that's the lens where I'm like, I feel you. On maybe that. I have to get, maybe I have to, I have to just ignore those cha- those channels uh, of information. But that that part is, yeah, you're not. I, I, I'm, I think I'm more ignoring those. I'm not saying that those people don't exist yes. and that they aren't considerable. I don't think that it's the yeah. majority, and that's why I probably not. It. And then real quickly on the Celtics angle, why I say that they kind of are playing a house money, which I'm sure you'll maybe be more. Uh, more willing to accept is I think for them so much I feel like them making the finals was super affirming for like their group like I just think a lot of people just did not believe in Tatum and Brown in Stevens just being anywhere in the building like right there there was just a there was just a narrative about the Celtics that they ain't never going to be able to get it done on any major level could they win a series or two maybe even yeah but they're never going to be playing on no championship caliber level. And I think just – and that's why I think the celebration they had was so joyous, you know. I, I Honestly, I thought I, – I took I took something. I don't know if you took something. I took something big out of both of these franchises. Their celebrations of making the finals were major. This was not the Kobe job ain't finished yet celebrations for either of these teams. Now, they were for different reasons. Warriors, I think, because they realized, yo, man, we were literally in basketball hell the last two years, and we realized that this thing is not for granted, and we don't know how many more times we're going to be in this situation. I was a little more surprised that they were that happy to be there, but they were. But the Celtics, they were very joyous, and you heard it from Tatum. These dudes said we couldn't play together. And that talk, that conversation, that chatter, it has been rattling around their heads and in that facility for years now. So I, that's why I say it's kind of house money. Because I think as long as they don't go out there and get swept and just get annihilated, I think they go out there and compete. They obviously, they don't want to win. I'm, I'm not trying to say yeah. participate in trophies. But if they go out there and they compete, I just think them, Jalen Brown and Tatum, playing at that caliber level against a, like a true dynasty, legends like Curry and Draymond and, and Clay, I feel like that's enough already. Yeah, so that's I mean, why I say, enough, I think, that's the only reason why I say there's a little house. Yeah, money. in that in that stratosphere or in that sort of space, you're right. I mean, they they have cemented themselves as those kind of guys in the NBA that can take you to an NBA Finals. Right. 
Um, which again, like you said, that was a major question, uh, especially as a tandem. Um, I guess as a Celtics fan, you know, I mean, this is a it's a franchise that city that only they only honor champions, man. I know, you know, yeah. you know. I, I mean, it makes me sick. Nobody Boston, talks about Boston the twenty ten Celtics, town, but it is. Yeah, no one talks about the twenty ten Celtics, man. They mm-hmm. they came. One game, they came five minutes away from a title. Nobody talks about that, you know, 17-1 and one Patriots team. <laughs> yeah, no one talks about the 17-1 Patriots team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Randy Moss is like, he's an afterthought in Boston. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he's my, probably one of the he was, five. He, yeah, he's probably the greatest that, receiver that ever yeah, stepped Yeah, foot. probably the greatest receiver in franchise history. Probably yeah. one, of the, one of the top three or four <laughs> best players to ever play for the team. Yeah. he, he don't, He's one of a few that don't got a ring. <laughs> yeah, he, but he doesn't have a ring, so they don't yeah. even... They, but you know, Vince Wilford got a statue. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> you know, so like, so that 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 so you know, Boston is that kind of town. So I mean, they, I mean, if they can win it, and that's a big if, but if they can win it, then all those guys will be immortalized. I mean, Smart may wind up with his jersey in the rafters. Tatum and Brown will be Celtic legends. I mean, you know, you know, some have made the case. You know, Tatum may be the best Celtic since Larry Bird if he if he can get a title. I mean. All of these conversations become totally different if they can win it, and I don't know. I mean, it's again they're already for, like you said from a from a how are they viewed around the league from peers and from fans? Yeah, they've already cemented themselves as right, you know, legitimate NBA All Star superstar guys or whatever. But um, but for for the for the, for the city, they need this. They need they need they need to finish the job. But um. But I was just going to ask, which individual player do you think has the most to gain? Because I have an answer, just from a legacy standpoint. Uh, you know, most to gain. Uh, I I feel like Steph Curry has the most to gain because I think, like you said, a lot of pe- uh, most people acknowledge his greatness. But like you said, there is a, I don't wanna, I don't want to call them friends. I think they're more than friends. There is a contingent of folk who, again. They don't believe in him being the greatest shooter because he hasn't made enough game winners and made shots when they count. They don't believe in him as, you know, the second greatest point guard behind Matty Johnson, which is that's that is actually insane to me that that's really a debate. But there there are people who don't feel like he's the second best point guard behind Magic. And, you know, and and then, of course, a conversation where, you know, some people are are, are saying, hey, does he go up past LeBron if he wins this title? I, I I personally don't think so, which may surprise some people who, who are listening. But I think he gets very, very close um, to LeBron. I think for some people he would pass LeBron. So I think that he has the most to gain because I think he's playing on a different level when it comes to, like, the career accolades of all these other guys. Like Tatum's trying to get his first championship in a very young career. I'm not at all saying that championships are, are, are given, that he's guaranteed to get one, but it's a very long career. You would think, hopefully, he stays healthy. Um, very long prime. He'll have opportunities. Brown will have opportunities. You know, and Clay and Draymond, again, they get to touch really rare air, only touched by the likes of uh, Scottie Pippen and Tony Parker. Well, I don't think Parker didn't even touch it, actually. He didn't get four, right? Oh, yeah, yeah he did get four. Um, yeah, so Tony Parker, um, very, you know, very few players who can, you know, you know, uh, some of the guys that played on Celtics, Sam Jones, you know, guys who 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 may not have been the the guy, but 
you look at them and they're synonymous with winning because of what their contributions were to a group. So you talk about Draymond and Clay in that regard. So they have a lot to gain, but Steph is just playing on a different field. He's playing on a field with the Immortals. So that's what that, I go to him because just he he he's playing already on a higher level. So Richard Jefferson made a really good analogy when talking about uh, this was actually um, I forget where I heard him say this. It was, it was this week though. But I mean, it may have been on TV. If not TV, it may have been on on his social media. But he made a he made a really really good um, analogy when talking about the top play the top ten or so players of all time and what would a championship mean for Steph and his 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 idea is that. He doesn't think that a championship, not to say that it wouldn't impact his view of Steph, but just if we're making, if we're doing a list that it's not going to just vault Steph from like 12 to four, for example, with one title. Because The analogy he used was, it's like you look at a, a Forbes, you know, richest people in the world. Yeah, like a Forbes 500, yeah. Yeah, Forbes 500. You know, you have Elon Musk at, you know, 200 billion and you've got Bill Gates at 100 billion and you got or 50 billion and you got, you know, Bezos at 100 billion and this and that, you know, Bill Gates can make 10, 10 billion in a, in, a, in a day, but it doesn't it doesn't move him up the list. You know, like that's what Steph Curry winning a title may may mean for his legacy. Like it'll be big, but I don't know if it's going to move him ahead of Magic Johnson. You know, I don't I'm gonna, know. I'm gonna make a very, I'm gonna make a very weird comparison, a comparison that Steph Curry might not even like, and it's it's, <laughs> it's gonna be very out there. But I'm gonna play in that sandbox that you and Richard Jefferson are playing in, and I will say Steph Curry is less like Jeff Bezos, and more like Donald Trump. Now let me explain that. He, there are people who don't think he's a billionaire. Okay. Now, I'm not going to get into the validity of whether or not Trump is or isn't, but the 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 image, the whatever, every all the accolades you would think someone like Trump would be a billionaire. So, for th- for that figure to add ten billion dollars would mean would mean a lot. <laughs> Because yes. then they, they get to say, for all you folks who didn't think I was a billionaire, here are the receipts. So it's a weird yeah. analogy. I, I don't. I think Steph Curry, obviously, is not just like at $999 million. I guess he's probably, like you said, more <laughs> yeah. in the Bezos area. But that was the closest comparison I could make. He's in a field where people don't think he belongs in terms of where people are ranking him. So I think that's why I say he has more in the game. The guy— I feel like there are folks who actually don't. They look at the number next to his name, the fifteen billion, and say he ain't really worth that. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. The the guy to me that 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 I think has the most to gain from a legacy standpoint. You mentioned him, but you kind of glossed over. Him. I think Clay Thompson's got the most to gain, man. Mm-hmm. If he has a big finals, which he's playing excellent basketball right now. I mean, you want to talk about coming back from an ACL and Achilles injury? It's, missing it's two leg- years of basketball. Leg- I and mean, I've used the word legendary often, but I mean, this is the time to use the word legendary. What he's done is legendary. 
legendary man i mean people were writing him off i was writing him off i mean the only thing that the only thing that wasn't keeping me from completely writing him off was watching durant coming back from the killing right i mean durant came back levine looks good off an acl durant came back from achilles i mean john wall kind of did the same thing and so i'm like i mean he should still be able to play i just don't know if he's gonna be clay and he's not you know you can say oh he dropped a little bit but man he's still he's still got it man yeah he's still (laughs) he's still really good yeah, like, he's still so. You think he's like, dropped? It's, it 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 don't look like because of his injury. It's like maybe right. he's a little older, but like right. he, and it, it, he can go still. Whether or not he's dropped individually as a player, his his importance to their team is still the exact. Same. It's the exact same, exactly. Yeah, you know, and so man, like another, and then when you think about the 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 idea that like he gets hurt, him and Durant get hurt, and they don't win the they don't win the title. That he sits out two years, and in those two years, they obviously struggle mightily. And he comes back, and if they win a championship, I mean, this guy, you know, he hasn't, all he knows is winning. <laughs> and yeah. he's the common denominator. You know, out of all these guys that we could talk about, we could talk about Durant, we could talk about um, Curry, we could talk about Draymond. The only guy that can say, when I'm here, we go to the finals and we probably win it nine, nine nine times out of ten. It's Clay Thompson. So, I mean, again, yeah. I think you know, in terms of look, he's already he's gonna make the Hall of Fame. But if we talked about it, man, he didn't make that seventy five, and there were some people upset. But for the most part, he wasn't he wasn't the biggest snub in a lot of people's eyes. He felt he was the biggest snub. Yes, he did. He kind of inserted <laughs> that conversation. Yeah, but we weren't really having that conversation until he brought it up. So, you know. But uh, again, if, I mean, and I'm not saying he's going to win Finals MVP, but for example, if he did, I mean, now we're talking about, well, if we could redo that 75, we got to find a spot for Clay Thompson somewhere, and you know, just again on the Pantheon. Yeah. And I've been a guy, and I, and I, I, I still stand by. Yeah, my, I, I, I mean, you have fought tooth and nail about Clay Thompson's career. Clay Thompson's a. Uh, He's a, uh, you know, I've always said it. You, you don't even want to say it now. You, know it, you know it sounds it. crazy. You know it sounds crazy. You didn't, <laughs> you're hesitating. You're, for the audience at home, you heard the, you know, he's a, uh, you know, uh, you didn't even want to say it. But he's one of the greatest role players in NBA history, man. And Stop that, that's. Stop it. Hey, look, somebody but, tweeted it this week or last week. And, you know, I, I mean, they're saying what I said, but they were like. They were like a, a team, a, an NBA team. It was a meme, and it was like an NBA team with 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 Clay with Clay as number one option. It was a picture of Mark Tatum at the lottery. That was that. I gotta admit, that was a hilarious meme. But that's why that's, that's the my exact point. meme you're talking about. And I saw that, and I was I was rolling. I can't front. I was you rolling. know, and like if the timing was bad because I'm just like he's playing so good. I can't. We can't do this now. But yeah. it shows you like well, that's where our basketball discourse is now. Yeah, that's yeah, saying great, and it's just people have trying to. When people try to give him flowers, it's other people having to then be the counteract to that. That's just how it right. works now. Exactly, it's ridiculous. But, um, but yeah, no. So, so it is. It, it, but again, when people can make those jokes, but I'm like, if 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 they win another title, we can make all the jokes we want about role player this and that. But again, we're talking about an all time, all time great. So I think I think Clay Thompson has the most individually. I mean, of course, like. This is all dependent upon the performances. Like if Jason Tatum goes out there and plays like you know he did during that stretch before the 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 before COVID, 
and he's like the you know averaging thirty and you know had to get you know drop yeah, fifty. Or plays how he mostly played against Milwaukee, really. Yeah, like he played against Milwaukee, or we've seen him play against Brooklyn. Like, yeah. like if he does that, you know, then we start talking about him. Like, you know, is he one of the five best players in the league? Yeah. So those all those things are can he you know evolve? But I think from a overall legacy standpoint, I think Clay Thompson's got a lot to gain. I think that I think you made a very good case for Clay. I right, shout out to uh, David Shepard from CBS Sports Radio because I actually had a conversation with him on air about Clay Thompson and his legacy. And Shep made the point that you know Clay arguably may be the most underappreciated star or superstar in all of sports in, of his generation. And you calling him a, a great role player, I think, goes to that point in some ways. Yes, I've always said I, to me, Clay Thompson is. If he's Reggie Miller, if he was playing on the Indiana Pacers, he's Reggie Miller, and Reggie Miller took his team to the finals. Like, I don't, I don't buy this notion that he couldn't be a number one. It just looks very different than it looks for other people. But he would 100% be averaging 25, 26, and your team would be going uh, into the playoffs. But no, Clay, I, I, look, Clay certainly has a lot to gain. I, I certainly would agree with that. We've talked a lot narrative based. I want to get into some of this X's and O's based with this finals matchup. Because one of the things I find interesting about these two teams is I think that the Warriors, their 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 biggest kind of ace in the hole, their biggest trump card, so to speak, I think is their ability to play small. They had to actually play big against Dallas by playing Looney a lot of minutes because Dallas played so small. So they, Looney just, just hammered them on the glass. But against most teams... The ability to play small and just have people chasing around those shooters with Draymond kind of orchestrating, Steph orchestrating, a lot of times it's just too much to bear for a lot of these defenses. This matchup is fascinating because I feel like the Celtics, who have you know the number one ranked defense, these are the two one and two best defenses in the, in the NBA. The Celtics present an interesting matchup because I think some of the Celtics' best defensive lineups are when they go small. The Celtics... Now, we know Robert Williams, when he's healthy, and I know he's been gimpy. He's been giving his all. A guy's been a warrior. When he when he looks good, he looks good. There are times when it's like, oof, he, he looks like he's really struggling. I thought he was struggling a little bit in game six and seven. But you know what Robert Williams brings? We know what even Al Horford brings. But even if they say they say we're going to play out the five and play and move you know Tatum and Brown up a spot, they can do that. They can play Grant Williams at the five in super small lineups. That, I think, is going to be really, I think, where this series gets won or lost. Because I don't think the Warriors want to play the Celtics in a kind of full-size matchup. I don't, you know, with the Celtics playing more a conventional lineup, I think defensively they could really potentially swallow up the Warriors and make things tough. Warriors go small when the Celtics are going to have to, they're going to have to respond, but what's what makes them so solid is that they're going to respond in kind, and they're going to be very comfortable to responding kind because Derek Williams, Derek White comes off the bench. That's another defender, another smaller guy, and they're going to be just fine. And, and and everybody can move up. Everybody can rebound for their position or rebound up for their position. And that's going to be where this game, I think this series is won or lost, is will Golden State be able to have success when they go to their quote-unquote depth or now depth, not lineup, or now it's called the pool party lineup. Will they have success in that lineup? Or will the Celtics be able to, to 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 guard them? I think they're 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 more inclined to guard that Warriors lineup better than maybe anybody in the NBA. 
So from that perspective, that's going to be, I think, one of the more fascinating things to see. How do you feel about that matchup defensively of that Celtics number one ranked defense against the Warriors offensive lineups? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head that, you know, the health of, of, of Robert Williams is going to be key. Obviously smart, you know, continuing to stay healthy as well. Um, you know, I think we've seen the Celtics look like a different team when those guys are, are there and healthy. Yeah. And being able to play a, a, as many minutes as, as they can. And, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, that really, that side of the ball is what gives me a, a confidence that the Celtics can can win a title, can win this series. Is that, um, I mean, this is such a good defensive team, and when you when you can play defense at a high level, there's very few, um, there's very there's very few matchups that like you feel like you can't win because I mean, when I think about when I think about that Celtics lineup, and correct me if I'm wrong, when I look at their rotation, the guys that are playing. Pritchard is the only guy that I would even consider having to hide. And I think yeah, all he's the only guy that, that, that you look at and say that's a, that's a negative defender. Yeah, and I think everyone else that plays. He's arguably a plus defender. Yeah, I think you could say he's a plus. I don't even know if it's arguable. Yeah. I don't know if it's arguable. Williams, White, Smart, Tatum, Brown, Williams, Robert Williams, and Horford. Yeah. All pluses. Not too many teams have that kind of individual defense. And, and that's going to be interesting. And I'm curious if we will see, you know, the NBA and most sports are a copycat league. I wonder if you'll see teams begin to load up on individual one-on-one defenders. It's just so hard, man. It's hard, though. How do you because find it's, – it's the, the Celtics have a lot of luck. They drafted four, five excellent defenders, you know? Yeah. And some guys and, that didn't even, also, didn't, you didn't even translate guys. as great defenders, like Tatum and Grant Williams. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> – Again, I mean, you know, we could talk about. I could do a whole, I could do a whole lecture on 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 the the, the roster building from Ainge, you know, and, and right. Brad Stevens now. But, um, but when it comes to, but it's even then, again, it's hard to replicate, man. I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, like, because then also we, you also then have to also like finding two way players isn't easy, you know, no. finding guys who are good both on offense and defense, just in general, is not an easy thing. But then, again, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, comes into comes out of Duke, you know, not seen as a as a as a great defensive player, but you know, people thought he had some upside. But obviously, the offense was the yeah was the main that's attraction. What, that's what got him to the table. Yeah, yeah, that's what got him to the table was the ability to put the ball in the basket. Um, Jalen Brown, great athlete at Cal. You thought he's got the tools to be a great defensive player, but again, that wasn't really. That wasn't the, the the scouting report wasn't elite defensive player. I mean, Marcus Smart obviously was. That's yes. what got him to the table was his yes, exactly. ability to play defense. Exactly. Um, yeah, Smart and Robert Williams definitely. Yeah, and Robert Williams we do would also be able to defend at a high level. But then those guys you had to be able to get those guys to be competent offensively. Competent offensively, and that throughout their career has been a challenge. But at this point now they are they are that, and they are elite elite defensive players. You know, I mean both guys all. NBA, all defense, all defense type kind of players. Marcus Smart, obviously, defensive player of the year. Yeah. Um, being able to get a guy like Al Horford, you know, um, also, you know, you know, always been a solid defender and continues to be a solid defender. Um, but it's even playing at a higher level now. 
than he was when he was in Atlanta. So, um, you, I mean, I don't know. And Derek White, you bring in Derek White, you know, they 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 inherited him as an already ready-made, very good two-way player. Um, that trade, I mean, it looks it looks excellent. I mean, you gave yeah, a that was a great for, deal, an elite first-round pick. I mean, yeah. Um, so I mean, again, just the it's it's all the guys we, we talk about. I mean, it's just not it's not easy to replicate. Some of it's coaching, some of it again player development. Some of the great scouting. It's a whole, it's a whole mishmash of how they got there. But um, <laughs> as you were right, that teams will be trying to do it. Um, yeah. But it starts honestly with if you have two all star guys that are great two way two way players. I mean, yeah, hard, it, sets, it sets the hard. tone. Yeah, it sets the tone quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, Miami has that to a degree as well with Bam and, and Jimmy Butler, but. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a that's a hard thing to replicate. And it's like it's like Mike said in the uh, in the last dance that you could say I was an a hole, but the one thing you can never say is that Mike asked me to do something that I wouldn't have done myself. Yes, or I didn't do myself. So all that, so the defense, the hustle, all that stuff, the the extra hours, he was doing it all. And when you got stars like Tatum and Brown that are doing that same thing, it fall everybody else falls in line. And Marcus Smart being an emotional leader. You know he's doing that, so now you got three for three there. So, so this is gonna be man. You want to talk about an emotional series, man? I think this could be a lot. I think there's gonna be a lot of, a lot of fireworks. And that's and that's the one thing too. Talking about this series and the fireworks that I think is interesting on the Warriors side or the Celtics side rather, because I mentioned how the Celtics are or the Warriors should be interested, should be wary of the Celtics' ability to play them small. I wonder how the Celtics will adjust to playing a team that for the first time they might not want to run on the way they ran on the first three teams they played. I thought the Celtics had their most success in the first three series that they played when they ran those slower, older teams that they played against. Brooklyn, when they ran them out the gym, that's when they took over when the series shifted to Barclays. They won the first two games. Those are close games. In Brooklyn, they just ran every, every rebound, every miss. They ran on makes, and they ran them out the gym. Milwaukee, it was a tight, tough, close series. Two good defensive teams. Milwaukee was playing up to their, up to playing, being a good defensive team. When the Celtics got up, up in the open court, that's when they had their most success. I mean, the Heat is not even a question. The Celtics, when they were able to push the tempo, that's when they had their most success. <laughs> when most teams play against the Warriors, they're not trying to push the tempo. You don't want to get in an up-and-down kind of game. And if I was the Warriors, I'd feel very comfortable with perhaps the Celtics either A, trying to get in a run up and down kind of game, or B, if they decide that, no, we're going to try to hammer them down and make this a slow walk-it-up kind of game. The Celtics have shown some uneasiness with their half-court offense at times this year or in this postseason. I think that, you know, seeing how they closed that Miami game seven couldn't have given you much confidence. There have been other points in this playoffs where their half-court offense hasn't necessarily looked pretty or ideal i think that the warriors could have an advantage either way if if boston decides that we're going to run up run and get up and down the court great you know the warriors are going to be able to get transition threes you know the warriors are going to be able to uh, uh pounce on long rebounds potentially and if they decide we're going to try to play this in half court the warriors can play in the half court and they can execute in the half court late in games i'm not sold that the celtics can yet because i saw some very very suspect play from them in that game seven, which was the game in which you got to execute your best. And the Celtics executed some of the worst 
half-court offense they've executed in this postseason. Is that a point that maybe would concern you? Do you feel that could be an advantage for the Warriors in this series? Um, I mean, I feel like, I mean, look, the Celtics, yeah, they still, I mean, it's the elephant in the room. They've been a mess at closing teams out, mm-hmm. um, competently. It's, it's sort of the, the, it's the thing with Marcus Smart is that, you know, you have to live with the fact that as great as he is defensively and yeah, he can be, he can get hot sometimes offensively. He's not always going to be the steadiest. Yeah. He's a, he's a wild card offensively. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get, and you may, late in games, make it turnovers, you make it bad shots, you make it missed shots, you know, you don't, or you may get, he hits a huge three, and then you, you know, you <laughs> make it heroics. He's, yeah, you may get heroics. As Pat Riley referred uh, to John Starks as a feast or famine kind of player, that is Marcus Smart yes. offensively. Exactly, and so, you know, I mean, he's long wanted to be the point guard, the starting point guard of the Celtics, and he is now. And a lot of times, the team is going to emulate. You're either going to yeah. emulate the best player or the starting point guard, right? And um, they, this team, in a lot of ways, you know, Smart also being the longest tenure guy on the team is going to kind of go the way he goes in many in many ways. And so we have some of that uneasiness uh, as a team in general. Um, but, I, you know, at the same time, this team also has guys who can individually make plays late in games. You know, That's so you, I mean, when you, if Jason Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown can get their own shot, they, you know, it's been, again, it's been murky at times during these playoffs, been rocky. Um, but they have guys that can get their own shot. They have ton of shooting. I mean, that's the other thing we talked about with this, that we didn't talk about with the Celtics team, is not only their versatility defensively, but then also to be able to space teams out. Yeah. Many, especially Robert Williams isn't out there, five out. You yeah. know, if you've got Grant Williams and Al Horford in the front court, I mean, that that just opens up so much for you to be able to switch all five positions and then be able to, 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 be a, to play five out in today's NBA and do both at a high level. Um, it is not... Uh, cannot be uh, yeah. To play five out, be, and also those lines still be your some of your stronger defensive lines. That's why exactly. the, the Celtics, in some ways, are like a cheat code because of yeah. A lot of teams when they, you don't they, lose when, they're able to, when they're able to play that way, that means they got somebody out there that can't guard anybody. Right, but that doesn't have that doesn't have to happen for the. It's still switching everything. Maybe yeah, maybe when Pritchard's out there, and he's not awful, but you know, but yeah, maybe you got to help him a little bit. But yeah. it, I mean, he doesn't have to be out there for them to run five out kind of stuff. Nope. That's what I'm trying. Like that's that's what makes them dangerous, and they can still have five plus defenders. So, yeah, I mean that that's 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 definitely. An I will say, so. man, the one the one you know, the one thing that also does give me some confidence is you know it's a new coaching staff, obviously with Email Doko, who's done an incredible oh, job. We didn't mention his name enough or at yeah, all, I think, to start, but he's second just half of the team. Job. I mean, yeah. um, you know, he <laughs> it can't it can't be said enough, but uh. But, you know, I think back, I mean, this Celtics core has had more success against Golden State than most teams have um, through Golden State's run. Um, Obviously, I said that was Brad Stevens, but uh, prior to this season, uh, they were eight and three in their last 11 matchups against Golden State. Uh, And they have a lot of a lot of big wins in Oracle. They actually play better 
in Oracle, uh, now obviously the Chase Center, um, than they did in Boston. TD, yeah. yeah, TD Garden, ironically enough. But um, that's not been an easy matchup for this for the for the Warriors not for whatever me. reason. Um, this has been a franchise and a and a group. They've had many. They've worn many faces over the last. Uh, five years, whether it be Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley. Kyrie was in there for a little bit. Kyrie, um, Kemba. So, you know, so you don't know if that is something you want to take too much. And obviously, Golden State has worn many faces as well. But, um, yeah, I'm sure Harrison Barnes was there at some point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's a relevant data point. But Andrew Bogut. But, you know, they're not going to go in there smart. Tatum, Brown, Horford are not going to go in there spooked by Golden State. They've beaten no, the I don't think they will. plenty of times. They've played there. I mean, maybe not in the Chase Center, but they've played in in the Bay many times. Many big, big national TV matchups. That part of it is not going to scare these guys. Um, and I think they feel like they can win. And. You talked about the you talked about the 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 you know the the, the layout of the of the series in yeah. terms of being not being two three two. I mean, yeah. You all you got to do is I mean, yes, you. I mean, I would have preferred it to be two three two, but you know, still, I there's still an advantage to being that road team that feels I only have to win one, and even if I don't win the first two, I still got two games at home to make to make that up. So. um the Celtics mindset should be just trying to steal one. And if you can steal game one, then you go out and steal game two. But um yeah, they, I you know, I don't feel too bad about the about the the format. Yes, I wanted to ask you about it. I know we talked about it before because I saw an interesting conversation on Twitter amongst a bunch of sports writers who I'm sure they love two three two because they get to stay in one location for a considerable amount of time before they have to fly back to a different one. And this being a bi coastal series, I'm sure there's not too much too many being thrilled. I'm sure they're very lucky and happy to have jobs where they get to cover the NBA Finals, but probably not too thrilled to have to do the San Francisco to Boston flight multiple times if they're going to have to in the series because six games. I do wonder about this not being a 2-3-2 format with the travel. Like, I think this is one of the few series where you would say, wow, well, you're going literally from one coast to the other. You know, 2-3-2. The Celtics might, they might, they might have liked that right now. And I thought that uh, uh, is, is Howard Bryant's his name, right? I want to make sure I get his name right. Is that the, the, the reporter? Howard Bryant, yeah. Yeah. Um, he had an interesting point about how, you know, I, I've i always hated 2-3-2. I always thought it was way too in favor of the team with the worst record, the team that doesn't have home court advantage, because, one, they get to have, you know, basically a week at home, potentially, in their own beds, practicing at their own facilities, all that stuff, while the other team who has the quote-unquote home advantage has to potentially spend a week on the road. I don't know how that makes any sense in terms of fair fairness. But he made another point about how as there's so much evidence, and you know it because you've seen the numbers throughout your history watching basketball, about Game 5 being, outside of a potential Game 7, being the most indicative of who's going to win a series in of all the games in an NBA series. Yeah, the fact that Game Five would be taking place in this situation, if it was two three two, on the road teams or the the team that doesn't have the home court advantage, home court, just never never made sense. 
it's such a, a, a momentum shifting game if a series tied two two that that alone was ridiculous. And I, I kinda bought that. And I think when I think about now that if you go on to game five, you're gonna have to travel back to, you know, San Francisco for one game after playing four hellacious games, that's a little different than if you were just chilling at the crib having having been there for a week or a week and a half, however long it takes to get through these games. It's a little different. I thought that that was a that was an interesting note by Howard Bryant. He was an ex who's been an excellent reporter for many years, uh, and I thought that it's something to think about when you think about this series. I guess well, I guess we're at the point where we pretty much touched on a lot of this. What, Last what, thing with the action, yeah, real quick. yeah, yeah. What do you got? Does does the intensity that that Miami series? Did it take a toll on the Celtics team, and do you think that, or will they be actually benefited by playing such a such a such a difficult series, and uh, that it will prepare them for what they're going to see in this 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 Golden State series versus Golden State? Mm-hmm. They've had you know the last two series. I mean, you know, look, it's playoffs, so you're gonna you're gonna take your licks. You're gonna you're gonna get a you're gonna get a good shot from the other team, but they did not have what the Celtics had the last two playoffs. Yeah, they never had. They never had an opportunity where they had to feel very uncomfortable in their series. No, Celtics have had quite a few in multiple. The last yes. yes, probably probably more than I more than I would have liked. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you you would have preferred not to have went through some of the things the Celtics yes. had went through. Uh, and, and they also have some battle scars to to prove it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Physically, they don't, so. they don't come in necessarily, uh, you know, worse for wear. So, I think that's a great question. I actually. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to make that point before we got to predictions and I kind of forgot so you put me back on track with that. That's going to be very interesting to figure out because this, I would argue my, 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 on the surface, I would say I'd rather be the Warriors on the surface because one, they, the, the core, not necessarily some little younger players, of course, Andrew Wiggins and they're ready for the, and, and, uh, you know, other guys who may not be younger, but guys who have... Yeah, Gary Payton has been hurt all the time. But, you know, Gary Payton is supposed to come back. Uh, and Bay Lisa and some of these guys who are not young, but guys who have not been in this kind of fire before. Uh, but the core has been through those wars. So they've been very uncomfortable multiple times throughout, throughout their uh, throughout their championships. So I'm not as concerned about them, per se. So I'd say, on the surface, I'd rather be the Warriors. But the Celtics... It's the one thing I, I, I'll, I'll say about them because I saw it in the Milwaukee series and I saw it going into this game seven. I, I'm always I'm always surprised at people who don't respect this Celtic team's chin. This team Ooh. has a extremely tough chin. They can get up off the mat. They'll beat the count and they're back to fight some more. I, it's, it's hard to really kind of, they almost kind of remind me of like, how like the New York Giants under Coughlin were, where like yeah they can just take some hellacious, the most embarrassing <laughs> losses, hellacious embarrassing losses. We were just like, there's no way a team's coming off the mat from that, and they just come back and play the game next game like it's nothing. Like it is toughness, but I think it goes beyond toughness. It's something different than that. This is a level of being in the moment of that game of that situation that allows them. To not really ever get totally, completely frazzled. Maybe they will get frazzled in a game. Like I said, they were you know, towards the end of Game 7. We've seen other times where they've lost close games late, and, zone, and especially in that Milwaukee series. But they, they're extremely resilient. So 
while I think maybe I'd prefer to be the Warriors just for just the physical sake, the Celtics, they, 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 they strike me as the kind of team that nothing's really ever going to put them out of a series. They may get outplayed, but I don't know if, like, a devastating loss, a game-winning shot, like, and then they're going to come back and they're going to lay an egg because they just gave up. That's just That just doesn't seem to be in their M.O. It's, and I'm trying to think of the last team in, in NBA history I can think of that was like this. No, no one's really coming to. I mean, maybe, maybe the Durant Warriors, maybe like, like they were so talented. I think that's why they kind of played unbothered. But that would probably be the last thing I can think of. But this team, I mean, you know, they had Tatum. What happened? You know, what what turned the corner? Like, again, first of all, they had a terrible start to the season. They got off the mat off of being under five hundred for like the first half of the for the first you know two thousand twenty one part of this season. They were a subpar team. So that alone, most teams would have just gave up at that point. Like, oh, man, this East is tough. Ooh, you know, these other teams are competing with championships. We're nowhere near. And then Tatum is like, yo, man, losing a 25-point lead to the Knicks and R.J. Barrett shooting a game winner over me, that was a really low point <laughs> of my season. Yeah. And you would think, yeah, after that happened to you, you would just quit. <laughs> you got you blew a 25-point lead to the Knicks and R.J. Barrett, star J. Barrett, Dropped a, a a three in the in your face at the buzzer to win, yeah. Most teams would have just packed it up. They got back off the mat from that to have a great second half of the season, and then like I said, all the stuff that happened in this postseason where they take these terrible losses or in the game they look like they're gonna lose and they find a way to win. That Celtic, I hate to say Celtic magic because you know the Nick fan New Yorker <laughs> in me just I almost didn't even want to use a word, but that's all I can call it. It's like the Celtic magic. This team seems to have. I'd like some of that too. So it's it's kind of tough. Yeah, I mean, look, the, that... the the rest and the easy kind of road easier road that the Warriors had compared to the battle tested road the Celtics had. The Celtics just seem to be war ready. They just seem to be anything that happens to them, they can come back from. When that's yeah, that would scare I mean, the hell out of me. That, as that, that 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 defines that man is they haven't lost back to back games since like January. There you go. You know, since like yeah, since like January, and I mean that's. You know, that's that's not first of all, it's not easy to do, but second of all, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. And then again, we talked you talked about it, you, you laid it out. I mean, a lot of really bad losses, man. I mean, the Milwaukee loss where Smart just blew it. Like, I thought that was it. And I was like, man, you know, I don't think this team's coming back from that. And they came back with, with a huge response. And they yeah. have quite a few times in these playoffs and blown quite a few games that they probably should have won and every time they come back and they win it they win the next one and i mean are you just getting annihilated in game one of these conference finals yes like, they got like they just got dominated in game one <laughs> yeah and then they went and just blew them out in game two like it was just like like so many teams like when they don't get that first game like they really like it's harder to get game two i think than to get game one when you're the road team i, I would yeah. think this is for sure because now they've seen your strategy and you're like oh man plan a didn't work now they're ready for the adjustments you may come with so, yeah. like, and they just came out and just watched Miami game too. But that again, that's that's who they are. So, like I said, that would scare the hell out of me as an opponent because I would feel like the series is never over, and this team is never down until like the actual. Yeah, I mean, look, Stephen A. Smith. He, I mean, he said it when the Celtics lost game. What was it game five? Five they lost or game or six to, to, to Miami no, or Milwaukee? Game four. Um, and he he said 
if this team loses game five and they go down three one, I still think they're gonna win the series. <laughs> right. You know, like that that's that's the that's the assumption is they'll still find a way to to, to turn it around. And I mean, you know, it, that you know, I mean, we'll we'll again we'll see. This is the toughest team that they face, but um, that that is a real that 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 is that is a real thing that that to to, to track in this series. I do. You're 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 definitely right about that, and I do agree with that. With your last point, that this is the toughest team they face. Mm-hmm. The Warriors are better than any team that they've placed they've played in this postseason so far. The experience, the shot making. And they're healthy, you know. They're not missing. Milwaukee's missing Chris Middleton. They're extremely healthy. I know, you know, Steph Curry started the playoffs a little gimpy, but they are, and you know, extremely healthy. You know, we know relative to the playoffs, obviously. Right. There are no known major injuries that these guys are dealing with, except for you know Gary Gary Payton, who's coming trying to come back from elbow injury. You know, he's mostly a defender anyway. So as long as you got his legs, you know, you'll take whatever he gives you offensively. So yeah, this is. Woo, just talking about these games get me excited, man. I cannot wait. So, I, I'm not going to ask you to predict who's going to win. I know you're going to say the Celtics. So, I'll ask you a different question about how will the Celtics get it done in this series in your eyes before I give my prediction of who I think will win. Uh, I think it's going to take somebody. I, I'm not even going to say. I mean, I know everybody's gonna, everyone's eyes are going to go to Jason Tatum and say Jason Tatum's going to have to play out of his mind. Um, he's going to have to have games where he plays out of his mind, but they, he doesn't have to have a series where he's completely out of his mind to, um, to win it all, I don't think. Because, um, I mean, we've won our last few series where I don't think he's every game been, you know, the, the, the greatest player on the court. So even the games we've won, he hasn't always been the best player on the court. So, um but I think it will take a, a, somebody has to play out of their mind, and, and and I think a lot of the games that we win will have to be someone has to have that game, and that's the thing about the Celtics team is sometimes it's Derek White, sometimes it's Grant Williams, sometimes it's Marcus Smart. It doesn't always have to be Jay Statham. It doesn't have to be Jalen Brown. Sometimes Al Horford. Al Horford has some. Yeah, it's been great. Peyton Pritchard's having moments, so you don't know you don't know who it's gonna come from, but they're gonna need those guys to to play. Uh, they're going to need a lot of those types of performances. Um, and really, I mean, defensively, again, that that is the, the huge factor because this Golden State team is great. They can get hot in a hurry. Um, but that's part of the reason why this team has played them well. I mentioned they, they've played them well historically. And part of the reason why is this core has always been great. I mean, Avery Bradley was there before, too, as well. But those Brad Stevens teams also guarded at a high level, yeah. particularly on the perimeter. And so when you're able to, to you, you, I mean, you're not going to, you, again, you're only going to do with so much with Steph Curry, but you're able to make it hard on him. And we've got guys that can somewhat make it hard on him. That, that, that'll, that'll, that's half the battle. And so, yeah, I, I you know, you're going to have to guard at a high level. These games, if these games could live in the nineties, I mean I mean some of those scores in the Eastern Conference Finals, games in the eighties, you know. I loved late, it, man. I know some game. people I mean, some people were like, What the hell is this? I love yeah. it. Man. That's that's real playoff basketball. <laughs> yeah, man. and I mean this team is such a good defensive team that and Miami's a great defensive team, so that's it, bound to happen, but um but it, like they're gonna need more <laughs> if the games are like that, then the Celtics have a, a very good shot of winning. 
I don't know if they will I be like that. I can't imagine they keep they're able to keep Golden State in those kind of numbers. As yeah, Celtics that's what's gonna be. That's what's gonna be fun to fun to watch. Whew. So I'm gonna take the Golden State Warriors in this series. I'm gonna say that they win this in. I'm going to say they win this in six games. I almost went seven. I'm going to say six. I think this is a very tough, close series. These will be a lot of close games. I think what I think what, what holds me in terms of going all the way with the Celtics is, one, I'm sure there's some New York Knicks stuff in there that's saying, all right, enough. I've, I've, I've lived with, I've lived, I was okay with the Celtics beating the, the Nets in the heat. I, I can't, I don't know if I can do can't do another series with this um but and even be outside of that of course talking objectively here i think the only thing the celtics i think are missing the only ingredient in terms of winning a championship they have all the things that make them championship caliber is the consistency of their execution late in games i just think that there have been some of these games that they've been able to they've been getting off the mat a lot but at a certain point, if you're using the boxing analogy, you can keep getting knocked down and getting back up. But at a certain point, you're going to lose on the points. Yeah. It's it's admirable that they can continue to keep getting up. But at a certain point, you just can't keep hitting the mat. You get you got to be able to close these games. And we, we've seen that, you know, the margin for error in the first round was a lot larger. And the Nets were such a train wreck. And then, you know, second round, okay, it's tight. Eastern Conference Finals, even tighter. Finals, the margin for error is zero. It's zero. And I think it's zero, especially against the Warriors. They're not going to beat themselves. You have to beat them. And the Celtics, while they will have some resilient performances, I think, in this series, they're going to have games where I think they let the Warriors beat them because they beat themselves. And... The Warriors aren't going to do that. I think at a certain point, you just run out of chances to continue to keep coming back. So I think this is the series where some of that, some of those glitches in late game execution, some of the lack of experience. And I say lack of experience, but they've been as deep as you can go. But, you know, championship experience. I think it shows his head in at least one game. And that could be the difference. Honestly, it could just be one game. But that's why I'm going to go with the Warriors. I'm gonna say that their their championship medal. And I also feel like the the Warriors they taste that immortality that I was talking about. You can hear it in their voices. You can hear it in how they talk. I think you could you could see it in how they're playing. Like these guys aren't necessarily as sharp and as great as they were in like 2015 or during those Durant years. I think you could watch and see that they are you no know, the the efficiency not as great. You know, a, a hair, not 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 even a hair, maybe half a hair, slower, whatever. Some of them I'm talking about the main guys, Curry, Clay, and and and, and Draymond, but they know what it takes to win. And when you you are somewhat diminishing slightly, you have to make up for it with being perfect at everything else. I think we've seen them really tighten up though that aspect of the game. A lot of these games against these teams, they're not letting these games get too close or if they are to find a way to pull away early in the fourth quarter to make it a situation where they don't have to come to one or two plays to try to win a game 
it worries just shown a certain level of just know how and how they've gotten around this postseason relatively unscathed when they really shouldn't have. I mean, Dallas was red hot before they saw them. Memphis had an injury, so that that was a little different. Uh, but you know, you know, Denver had the MVP. Like, it shouldn't have been this easy. But the, the Warriors, I think they kind of just know what it takes, and, and and that's why we've seen them have so much success. I think that's the difference, and that's why they win this series in six. I think Steph Curry finally gets his MVP. Yeah, yeah, you know, I do feel like if Golden State wins it, I think Steph wins MVP. Um, I think Clay can win though. I, I when you say Clay, I I, th- I think he's the other guy. Like if I I don't know what the odds are, like if I was throwing money around, I might actually put money on Clay. I think the, good, the smart good. money's on Clay. Smart money, I think is on Clay. Right. I can't wait, man. Obviously, the series is Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday, but you'll probably hear this podcast on Thursday afternoon, Thursday morning. Um, before you get or maybe you're watching listening to it as game one is on so um it's gonna be fun i i can't wait real quickly post-mortem on these two teams that lost do you feel with miami i feel like miami and like look they they you know <laughs> first of all those memes are you don's has them well they're not really memes they're actually quotes from him i think like they're real quotes from him saying no you know he let his you know he feels like the you know, he let the team down, <laughs> and you know he he was he was trying to find a way to lead his guys to the championship. God bless UD. You know he's he's an OG, but I mean some of these quotes are just wild for a guy who played the video of him walking out negative of, minutes in these in these conference finals. The video of him walking into the tunnel. People yeah, are like, man, why is yeah. he so upset? Yeah, it looked like he looked like LeBron after he was about to leave Cleveland. Man, <laughs> like, come on, UD, like it's all good. You know, you, his, his, your legacy is made, man. Your, knee, your knees are still intact. You didn't, you didn't take no punishment. <laughs> like you got a front court seat to some hell, hellacious basketball. I know he wanted to win. I know he loves that organization, but UD, you can chill a little bit. But I, I don't know. And, and kind of on that note, honestly, it's got to be a good segue. Did he feel like? I don't feel as confident that oh, like they're gonna have more cracks at the apple. Like I really felt like this was like they're best their real best chance like to me this was a team that was very much built as a win now team yeah and we saw them just like crawl their way through this season with injuries and finding guys on the street to go out there and and play for them like a guy like max Struess. and some of these guys are you know younger players that will still contribute you know if they can keep them around but junior butler is not getting younger and the cast around him is good, we've seen. But I, I just think we've seen that it's not championship good. So what do you do if you're Pat Riley and, and Spolstra? Because the, the notion is, well, we got Hero, and we could turn Hero and something into something big. And I don't know anybody who watched these playoffs that's just running to give you a superstar for Tyler Hero and picks. I'm just not as convinced of that as people around the league seem to be that the Heat will be fine because they'll be able to take Hero and just give him to Utah and Donovan Mitchell is going to show up. I don't I don't know. Am I am I off on that? I know well, Hero we, had a great regular season, but... I don't know what people around the league know, but we. I do know that... Now, look, <laughs> Danny Ainge and Pat Riley do not have a good relationship at that, at that 
you don't have to you don't have to know much about the NBA to know that Danny Ainge and Pat Riley. Danny Ainge is running Utah, so that'll make any any sort of deal. I also don't think he likes the Knicks very much. So that'll, that'll, be, that'll make uh, a deal, a Donovan Mitchell deal, tough to make for both of those franchises. But you know, he's also a smart guy who knows who does what's best for the organization nine times out of ten. And what I do know is that he was very high on Tyler Hero coming out of Kentucky. That so, is the only thing I think about. With yeah. If, if has he seen enough for him to think that okay? Yeah, that's the thing. It's a different evaluation now, and he's now better I'm than ready to give up a, a multiple-time all-star, right? Yeah, he's probably better than most people, including Ainge, probably would have expected. But still, like you said, that's a big jump. You know, you can like a guy, <laughs> you can have a good scouting reporter guy. It doesn't mean you're willing to trade the farm for him. So, um, and the other aspect about the Heat. Is I think what I also saw in the series, Bam Adebayo, great player, but not a number two, and I don't think he's the best. I don't want to use fit because he does fit well in Miami, but I don't know if him and Jimmy Butler offensively are the greatest fit. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Those two, not as a team, but those two offensively as two best players. I don't know if that really works. So then it becomes like my thing is. Does he become the piece that you have to move to get to where we're gonna go? I mean, he's the guy with the most value, and I, I think they should. I think they should really consider if they're looking at real superstars. Again, name the guys: Joel and B, people like that. They they need to be just ready to move on from him because you're not you're not winning with Butler and Adebayo. Not enough shooting. Adebayo is not consistently aggressive enough offensively. You know, Jimmy Butler is kind of a he's a weird offensive star. Like, he's not always going to get you 40, but, like, he can do it, like, when you absolutely need it. So, therefore, I think you need a secondary star who can be consistently aggressive and looking for their shot. And that's not Bam. That's why, honestly, that's why Tyler Hero fits them so perfectly. Because this guy comes off the bench and he's just, like, got the green light. And he can put it up. So, like, as a three, as a, as a, as a trio, they, they do, they win a lot of games. But I don't know if you can win a championship without with, with that that trio and i don't know what hero's value is and if they're hell bent on keeping on keeping bam i don't think this heat nucleus is winning a championship at all man and, and i also don't think that things are as rosy in miami as you think for most teams that were a one seed that made it to the one game away from the finals i'm not i'm not as sold on that but you're you're, you're out you know i mean we saw obviously the the dust up that Jimmy Butler's poster had, we didn't. There was no inkling, you know, there was no inkling of that during the playoffs. Um, but you know, I don't know. I mean, then Hero in his exit meeting, you know, was like, "I'm not coming I'm sta- off the bench." I'm starting. Yeah, I'm starting. Yeah, now I, I feel like I've earned. I'm a starter now. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, and look, he's heading into a contract year. He's up for an extension this off season. I don't think he's going to get. He's certainly not going to get the max. I wouldn't think from them. Uh, not not in the off season, and so I would assume he probably, he probably thinks he he's he. I mean, he's he said he thinks he's on the same level as Ja and Luca and those guys. Yeah, as he said. So yeah, so I mean, I'm sure he thinks he is a max player. So if he does, that's just going to be a contentious negotiation. He's already he's already drawing lines in the sand. So um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know where this team goes, but um, I do think a shakeup is likely 
Um, it's got to happen. I mean, it's, there's stuff with Kyle Lowry. I mean, he 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 looks cooked to me. I mean, you you watched him, so you, yeah, yeah, he yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, yeah, there so was not. You're, you're very very pleased to see him out there. Yeah, I was glad whenever he was trying to make a play. Yeah, yeah I mean, his his best move was to flop. Like that was that yeah, was I mean, that, like that honestly was that was like, that was honestly his most that was how he was value, most dangerous. Yeah, it was like you kind of taking like charges, like drawing like you know phantom fouls. It's kind of like Pat Beverly, like in you know like, it's crazy to say, but that's that he, and, and when I'm he fouled it. out in Game Seven, it was kind of like I guess I was like I guess it's a good thing, but you know because because like they just you know some of these other guys didn't know what they were doing as much as Kyle Lowry would have, but right, yeah. But in terms of, uh, but in terms of like again having a, a scoring threat, I wasn't worried about Kyle Lowry. So and I'm listening to Spolstra in the in the exit meeting. And he's like, you know, well, well, Kyle's gonna come into next season with, in the best shape of his life. I'm like, did he see the? Did he read the birth certificate when he signed the con- signed Kyle that contract? Yeah, why the hell Why the hell did Kyle Lowry remember. at 35 years old, 30 years old, come in with the best shape of his life? Yeah, he's Kyle Lowry. First of all, second yeah. of all. Did you not see him just again crawl his way through this season? Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like Kyle Lowry probably saw that quote and he was like, "We," you know. <laughs> you know I'm like, I, I don't know. I, 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 this, this is gonna be an interesting off season for Miami because they need. I, I, the, I think what we all agree is that there, there needs to be urgency. This is not a championship team. It's a very good team. It's a tough team. It's a team that trains hard. That plays hard, that practices hard, and all the you know the cliches about the Heat culture and all that stuff. We know all that, and championship team. So that's all that really matters because that's what they're trying to do. So if that's the case. I don't know if Hero is getting you the piece that then makes you a champion. It, it's going to have to be Bam, and and where what Bam can get you and who will be available will be interesting. But you know, Pat Riley is one is not one to. Uh, he's not one to shy away from making the big deal. I would expect that he's going to be looking for one this offseason. Um, I was going to talk about Dallas, but I don't think there's really much to say about Dallas. It was a, it was a good run. Luka showed a lot. Obviously, the the things about Luka are always going to be the same. He needs to get in better shape. He's he's in better shape. He needs to play better defense. Liability defensively. Yeah. The great player, he needs help. You know? Hey, like, he needs help. Yeah. You know, he needs... They have to continue to be limited in things that they can do, just because they, yeah, they have, yeah. have always had a limited asset base. You know, it's funny how I. What did you feel about Charles Barkley? Hit like he he proposed that this Dallas Maverick run to the finals was a fluke, similar to the Atlanta Hawks. And now you called the Atlanta Hawks fluke. They call the Atlanta on Hawks site. People. Do you see? And, and then of course you know the him and Luka Doncic that com, you know conversation that honestly we and you have been having since they were in college. Yeah. You know, makes it a, a pretty interesting parallel. Do you see similarities in <laughs> Dallas and Atlanta's run to the conference finals? I, don't, I, thought, I, don't, I thought it was I don't, a little harsh when he said it, but it was interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't see a lot. I think I mean I'll be honest, I think Atlanta's run was like more impressive than Dallas's run was. Like in terms of I thought really? Atlanta like I mean, played I mean, better. I, I, Houston I would say Dallas played against the team that had the most wins. The most wins in the NBA lot uh, this year. Yeah, and that's that's fair. I mean, you know, Phoenix, but I I, I think a lot of people. That team that, and that team that went to the conf- went to the NBA Finals. The year yeah, before. that game seven just still people feel like <laughs> Phoenix lost that game. I don't know what happened. You know, <laughs> but was, honestly, I don't know if we really talked about it much in the last yeah. podcast. That it was the most inexplicable 
collapse I've ever seen in a game seven in any yeah. sport. Like when Philly lost to to Atlanta, it, we could talk about Ben Simmons, and, and that was some explicable stuff too. That was some yeah, and that like child's play compared to what we saw. From yeah, Phoenix. yeah, exactly. Ben Simmons not so, wanting to shoot. Yeah, <laughs> but and then oh, obviously Atlanta dealt with injuries in the conference finals. They were never going to beat Milwaukee, but yeah, um, but but at the same time, I think Dallas is more built to 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 be sustainable. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say that this was a fluke. I just, I mean, the West is tough. But it's tough. I like, look, Atlanta didn't. They, I mean, they ended up making the the, the playoffs. Um, barely. Well, yes. You know. Yeah, yeah barely. <laughs> ended up barely making the playoffs. I mean, I don't think Dallas will be a, be a playing team next year. I guess that. Is, I don't know. That's a bold prediction. Right. I think they'll. They should make it safely. Maybe they're seven seed. I mean, the West is tough, but. Um, I can't say for a fact they're gonna get back to the conference finals because could be the Grizzlies, could be the Suns, could be the Warriors. You know, the Clippers will be back. So I, I mean, fluke Nuggets will be good. I can't. I don't know. Again, we we use these terms that are very, very, very explosive. Fluke is a strong word, but I mean, I'm just using the word Charles Barkley. Yeah, that's the that's the word to use. But if we're saying, but I mean, well, I mean, yeah, bad the, as the, the, the Hawks were a fluke, though. That's I mean, that, yeah, that was they were very reference. Yeah. They went from a conference finals to basically not being a playoff team. I don't think that'll be Dallas next year, but we'll see. <laughs> Their outlook, though, they they again they desperately need to find a way to get someone to pair with Luke. And I know they tried it with Porzingis. They deserve credit for taking the swing, and it didn't work. They also deserve credit for getting out of it, not being too stubborn, and finally getting out of that situation. And finding a team that getting players that fit better around Luka Doncic, but I mean, Rudy Gobert is maybe somebody you think about if he becomes available, that could be a nice fit, but he's still not going to take any pressure off Luka offensively. I mean, he's a, he's a very good lob threat, but still going to put a lot of weight on Luka's shoulders as a, as a initiator. Yeah. I think we've seen in, in this, we've seen really for the last several years that you really need two real shot creators to win a championship. And, and, like, other guys that aren't ducks. You know, like, yeah. there was a time where one guy could just kind of just do it on his own with other guys who were pretty good. Like, you know, Dirk did it once. You know, obviously, you know, I can't even say Jordan because Jordan Pippen was more than just another guy. He was a, definitely another shot creator. Like, you know, there, there are a couple instances where you said maybe you could say Kobe, you know, in the second time with Powell, where you say maybe he's more of, like, a secondary player. But you, you really need two real shot creators to win a championship now. So, where they find that second guy, I don't know. Can, you know, Brunson continue to get better and become that caliber? Maybe. I mean, you know, I don't I, I don't know. I seem to feel like, I, I kind of feel like he's close to his ceiling. Yes. Um, and like you said, with the, just the way they salary cap and how everything works, they're just not in a really great position in terms of flexibility to certainly find that guy to come through. They they kind of need to get lucky in the draft. They don't have their pick next year, so that doesn't help them. Kind of need to get lucky in the draft or kind of find money from a team that maybe dumps a guy who they didn't think was that good and maybe he turns it around. You know, I don't know. It, it, Dallas is in a weird spot. I don't know if I say fluke, but I don't unless, I mean, Luke is only getting better. So that's, that's, that, that's he's kind of like the, he's kind of the biggest variable still. It's like how, what levels can he get but that's the problem with this team it's been it's been like that for since he's been in the league it's been well 
yeah, they don't have many avenues to get better, but, <laughs> but Luca could, yeah, Luca could just do this. And it's like, how long, how, how long? He's gotten can he do better it? incrementally, but right. It's just again. I mean, we get. I don't know how much better he can get. You know, he's a great player, but and there are still ways he can get better. Again, he can get in better shape, become a better defense player, become a better shooter. But still, I mean, he's he. But it's, it's also tough when you have a player that you feel like. Like he's he's a championship level guy individually, but he doesn't have the he doesn't have the players right now around him. Yeah. Um. So yes, can he get better? Sure. But like, Milwaukee didn't become a championship. Giannis didn't become a championship player until he got those pieces around him. Until he got Drew Holiday. Until I mean, Middleton was always there, but Middleton continued to get better and better as a as a secondary guy. And, Brooke Lopez emerged and all these different pieces. So Dallas doesn't really have, they have some guys that you feel like could be players on a, on a, on a contending team, but mm-hmm. it's few and far between right now. Yeah. Shout out to Jason Kidd, who, who excellent who, who job proved me wrong. And a lot of people with the track is wrong. Did a phenomenal job. He's a, to me, a case in point about a guy who needs a fail. He needs a fail. He needed to, you know, I think Jason Kidd was was a little arrogant. I think he was a little bit of a know it all, and I think he was out of touch when he took those first two jobs in the NBA, and he paid for it. He paid for it. He was embarrassed and humiliated with the Nets and the Bucks, and he took an assistant job, which I'm not I'm not gonna say that's not humiliating at all. There's nothing wrong with being an NBA assistant coach, but I'm happy he took that role, helped the Lakers go to a championship. Clearly, he learned a lot. Clearly, it wasn't just, you know, him biding his time until someone else finally gave him a shot. And he grew as a coach. And I think we saw his offensive game planning improve tremendously. I thought that just the, a lot of it is just the arm. Is really, a lot of it is just like the, the, the team psychology that goes into being an NBA head coach. Well, he was, which, by the way, he was failing at miserably in Milwaukee and Brooklyn. We talk so much about how terrible he was at X's and O's. He didn't know how to talk to people or deal with people in those situations. Yeah. Seeing how he handled this Dallas Maverick team this year, you can tell he grew and learned a lot. Credit where credit is due. Shout out to Jason Kidd. He did a phenomenal job this season, and he deserves Nico Harrison, by the way, their uh, president of basketball operations. uh, I think he knows that they don't have the assets to make make a big move because he said that they – he was making the case that to upgrade the roster – they don't need. They don't need to get a bunch of all stars. Uh, yeah, because he knows that no all stars walking through that. door. Yeah, he's like, there's no way I can get one. Yeah. So Dirk, we have to... Dirk, Dirk and Whiskey and Jason Terry aren't walking through that door. So he's like, he made the case that you know, oh, we've got to get guys that fit around Luca. There were a bunch of teams in the West with a bunch of all stars, and they were sitting, sitting at home watching us play in the Western Conference Final. Uh, I will who say, the, who were those teams with a bunch? I was going to say, I was like, really yeah. going down the list. To me, he's only talking about the Lakers, and those guys were all, Lakers, you know, those guys were all, uh, they were all eligible for the, uh, for the senior discount at Denny's. Yeah. So I don't know what team he's talking about with these handful of all stars. Yeah, Lakers had a handful home. of NBA seventy five guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, seventy five in more ways than one. Yeah. Put it that way. You know, and the Clippers, you know, they had a bunch of guys on IR. Uh, <laughs> Right. As well, like they, I don't know. I mean, again, he's he makes a fair point, but you know, Denver, another team, bunch of guys on IR. You right, know, I don't the know if that, injured. I don't know if that you can continue. And he's not saying don't get better, but 
they need another guy. He's clearly limiting the expectations for what's going to happen this year. And maybe that's him also talking to Luca through the media, saying, look, fam, don't expect no super team to be built around you next year. It's not going to happen. Not an option, you know. Zach Levine is – I know we're not – we don't plan on talking about Zach Levine. Yeah, go go ahead. That's going to be an interesting – I don't know if you're following this, man, but I don't think he's going to be back in Chicago. This reminds me – I'm trying to think of – there was a wasn't there a player like this around me like, very much like our recent free agency where we just like and, and and I don't know if you remember Kendall I told you that I thought Zach Levine was gettable like months ago oh, yeah man. we were talking about this yeah I guess because I said with the Knicks I was like yeah was and like, at the time the Celtics were also like hey, should the Celtics make I was just looking at this situation I'm <laughs> like this Chicago season really ended as a disaster and and this was before the season ended this was like you know. This was like end of regular season. Yes, it was trending downward. Right, it was not looking good. We all knew what was going to happen. It was looking bad, and DeRozan kind of came in and just became the city darling. And I was looking at what Levine was going to be going back to if he signed. Ball has this very tough thing with his knee that I think they're starting to become very concerned about whether or not this is going to be something that's going to play the rest of his career. There... It just didn't look like the greatest situation. I'm not saying that the NSA was this better situation out there, but sometimes you don't got to be convinced of much to leave a spot you don't like. And Levine had never really been a free agent. He was traded to Chicago. So yeah. I know, you know, they embraced him because they traded for him. And, you know, the big market, you know, and it was a, it was a rebuild. And he was kind of the center of the rebuild. But I, I, I always thought he was gettable. Is he the franchise player, man? Is he even still the franchise player? You know, and that's that's tough. It may not matter, but he may and he may feel like he should be. And DeRozan is going to be injury. Yeah, he played through injuries this year, and and DeRozan is now kind of looked at as the the one number one guy. And he's like, he knows DeRozan can't take him to a championship. He knows that. He he just watched DeRozan try to take him to a championship, and they won one game in the playoffs. So, uh, he, he could be warmer somewhere else. <laughs> Chicago winters are. I mean, the word man, is Portland really Southern, wants to make a run. Southern California, Portland really wants to make a run at him. I love the fit with him in Portland. I love it. I just, I mean, that, I, I, if I Portland mean, can look, pull that off, I'd be like, wow, okay. Like, I'm not saying y'all gonna win a championship, but y'all I actually gave so game someone respectable. It's it's a good move in terms of getting closer to contention. It's just, like, what's the, I guess the ceiling is Phoenix, right? Like, if you make that move, you're saying, yeah, with me. like, that's our Booker and Chris Paul, yep. you know, and we hope yeah, that we, like, we, we had Chris Paul, we just needed Booker, just like Phoenix had Booker, and they just needed Chris Paul, like, it right. was just the reverse. Yeah, and you feel like we can win 58 games, 55, 58, 60 games, this goes really, that's the ceiling, this just goes really, really well, and then at that point, anything can happen in the playoffs. Um... But man, like that, there's also a version where you're like, this is McCollum and, and Lillard 2.0, you know? And But I guess the only difference is, you know, <laughs> those guys were undersized. Like, you know, Levine yeah. has real size. He's a real two guard. Yes. You know, I, I'm, he ain't that much of a better defender than McCollum, but he ain't worse. He definitely ain't worse. So. No. And he's also, I mean, he's had his injury history, but. Right. He but he is, yeah, better. he's age. Right. Yes. So you, you see why. Again, if they could pull that off, and I say he's from California, he's actually from 
Washington. Washington, yeah. So he's local guy. Yeah, local guys from, you know, Oregon, not that far. He played at UCLA, which is why I said California. But Yes. Like, I, I've seen that stuff, and I, I, it's fascinating. I, I, I tend to think that he won't be back either. That seems to be where this is trending. I couldn't think of the guy. There was a guy recently where it was like, we just for like a long time, we just assumed there was not going to be anything involved. In I mean, there's, 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 there's definitely, I mean, and now as we get close, it's starting to become the opposite. Where it's just like, there's no way I can yeah. expect them to be back. I mean, I, I mean, this is a different, but definitely isn't the one you're talking about. But I mean, Gordon Hayward, the Celtics fan, I, they all thought he was coming back, and all of a sudden, he got a oh yeah, a mysterious offer from a from, from a, a max offer from a team, and then he opted out. Once he opted out, that's when people are like, well, something's going on here. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, and don't – I don't think anything's happening with AD, but, you know, I think people are starting to get hit to the idea that they may have to trade him. Um, nothing's changed since we broached that topic months yeah. ago. Yeah, nothing's now, changed. But nothing's the, changed. Well, they, well, they have a head coach. That's they do have a head coach, but I don't think that's why. That's why people are now saying they have to trade AD. No. But um, they starting, people are starting to realize that they don't have many options – now that Westbrook trading Westbrook seems off the table. Um, so an AD for Zach Levine trade, I mean, clutch would probably approve of it since they're both clutch guys. Yep. AD gets to go back home. Levine gets to go closer. I also, to, get, I also get the feeling AD is like, see, he's never said it. Um, but I, 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 don't I, get the fe- I was going to say, I get the feeling AD could be sick of just like everything that, Come with being on a disappointing Lakers team, yes, and like him giving most of the blame for it because he got he already got a taste of the winning. He didn't yeah, get he knows what it's like when it's great. I know it was COVID, so it was a little different and you yeah. know not the big celebration, but but he, he got close enough of what right. it means to be a champion with the Lakers and all that stuff. Right. He got all that. You're right. So now, but then seeing the other side of it, like he doesn't have to he doesn't have to feel like well I never got it done. Like I got it. They really ain't light at the end of the tunnel. Kendall, yeah, like there's really no way out of it. He's gonna yeah. keep getting hurt, and they're gonna keep losing. Yeah, and it's so, always gonna be his fault. Yeah, and they're always gonna blame him. And they're gonna talk about you every day on national TV, right? Win or, win or lose, so have fun, you know. And, yeah, and he's like, uh, I, 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 these beaches are cool and all, but whatever, I'll go home. Yeah, I, I can see, I, I can see that. And. I think yeah, Clutch, and Clutch Levine, sold him on a dream, and they got, accomplished that dream. But I could see him. I could. I could see. I could see where you're going. With and he and, and I 100 could see him wanting to play with Demar Derozan as well. Whereas, yeah. um, and then Levine. And now the question is, you'd have to the Lakers would have to want to trade Anthony Davis, who when he's healthy is a top ten player in the league easily, for Zach Levine, who. I'm almost at no in no circumstances a top ten player. Yeah, it's so, not as good as Anthony Davis. Yeah, it's just not it's not good. not going to be as good as Anthony Davis. But comes it just it shakes things up. Is that something that the Lakers would consider doing? I think the Bulls would do it. Um, but I mean, they wouldn't have a choice if Levine said I'm signing with the Lakers, right? For the most part, I mean, now with the, the Lakers, Lakers be the Lakers are a tax team, right? Wouldn't yeah, the Lakers don't have the cap space, uh, right? But, so that that's why this whole Levine thing is so that's a pipe dream for them because tax teams I don't think can do sign trade, right? Or am I wrong about that? I, I think there's there's I think there may be workarounds, okay. but I think you may be getting like an extra, I don't know, there may be a kicker or something in there. Yeah, some, something about that that makes it hard. Uh, not, but maybe not impossible. You could be right about that. 
No, I was, I'm glad you brought Levine. I, I've seen this thing kind of floating around there. He seems to be the piece that if you're a team like a Dallas or a Portland or you mentioned the Knicks, that sort of feels like you're in no man's land. Yeah. And we talk about, obviously, the draft is a way to improve, but free agency, he seems like the guy that could be the swing swing piece for one of these teams that feels on the outside. Now, luckily, we're in an NBA where, you know, three or four years ago, that piece would go to, you know, the team that won the title, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. It's and it was like, yo, like, you could have won anywhere. It's a stack situation, yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you've got a space in Golden State, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> luckily I don't think that's going to happen. So um, these teams that are on the periphery feel like, and I, I mean, I, I have to wonder if Milwaukee feels like they should get in the conversation there. Um, mm, yeah. I know Middleton needs hurt, but do they? He's, do they very, really... he's a little older. Yeah, Not old, old, but you know, you know, older. Like I said, do they want to rest on their thing? Well, we got our title now. We can, you know, you know. I Detroit really, uh, I, yeah. I felt, I felt like Milwaukee's supporting cast felt old in this playoffs. Like not necessarily Grayson Allen, obviously. Right, but, but the Brook Drew, Brook Drew, the... Milton, that he was gone. Yeah, they, they looked. <laughs> Older. Bobby Portis is a young guy. Portis. <laughs> he feels older, though. <laughs> he just plays the old man games. Later. Yeah. Like, it just, they, they definitely need a, an infusion. Now, I, I, now, what I will say, I think they got some young kids kind of waiting in the cut that will be will be performers. Yeah, Noora. Noora, um, my guys, my guy, Mamu. Like, they got some guys just. The Nassas. They might, they, they might, <laughs> no, I'm not going to put the Nassas in there. Uh, my least favorite player in the NBA. <laughs> but like I like they got some guys I think that if they're ready they've done they completed their development I think can be contributors. Uh, what do you think of Ian Bagley saying that the Knicks are open to trading up in this draft? To me, they, that means they must really like somebody near the top of this draft. I would surmise that, that person would be Jay Nivey. Sign with CAA. He is. Everybody makes that jump, but it is true. He is signed with CAA. Now, if Dyson Daniels is is skyrocketing, could they Man. trade up for someone like Dyson Daniels? I mean, I've seen him ranked as high as five and six. In some yeah, I'm seeing him in that five six range. Like, like I don't, I can't, I, I do not think they would trade up for Shaden Sharp. He went now, to Kentucky. He did go to, <laughs> no, he went to Kentucky, but I, that would surprise me. That would surprise me if they if they wanted to trade up for Shaden Sharp. I don't think they would trade up for Matherin. I really like Matherin. I think that they would too. But you know, you gotta give assets to trade up. I don't know how much it, they're willing to do that. The the deal that keeps everybody keeps looking at is Sacramento at four because they're the team that just so clearly you would think would maybe want Julius Randle. Yeah, I mean, that's, look, I thought. Yeah, I mean, we talked and, about and, and, and a team that's least likely to really need this draft pick. Yeah, I for, mean, for yeah. for what they're thinking, not necessarily. There's literally, true, I mean, but. I mean, there's been buzz and there's been reporting that they are they're open for business in terms yes. of trying to trade down. And I mean, I saw a trade idea, and because I've thrown out the idea of like, I mean, they could do the Randall thing, but you know, Randall and Sabonis doesn't sound great. But I saw one that said, you know, the Atlanta Hawks trading John Collins to Sacramento for the fourth pick, and you know, draw the trade down. And I was like, "What? I mean, this is no different. I mean, it's the same problems. I mean, Randall, you could argue John Collins. You can have your debate. Who's yeah, better Collins, Collins, Collins is probably a better. I think he has more value. 
he's more. I, I, I mean, he's a better defender. I don't. I don't I mean, ugh, it's weird. Neither of those guys I want on my team. Right. That's what I'm saying. They both have baggage. Yeah. Um, Collins is probably a better fit because he's a better athlete. Makes that's what I was thinking. That's what I was gonna say. Like, yeah, I, like better defender. You know, but yeah, it's weird because just... Collins he seems to be looking for an opportunity to kind of do more offensively. Right. Which I totally get why Atlanta's like we don't need you to do that. <laughs> like I'm, and I like John. You know what I mean? I've always liked John Collins' game individually, but uh, but yeah, I can see why they're like, no, we, we don't want. Yeah, that. but it, I mean, it. But if like you said, if, if theoretically, if if Sacramento looked at Sabonis as a five and was looking to acquire a four, you know, again, John Collins is an option, but Julius Randle might be the best guy you can you can get if not John Collins. And and then you don't have to go as far back. I mean, where is Atlanta? I mean, they made the playoffs, so you know you're going outside of the lottery. Whereas the Knicks are right there. Yeah, Knicks are at eleven. So I think at eleven, you're still going to be in range if you're trading down to get a player in this draft that can that that you may really like and could actually help you. So I've, I've learned in draft in draft stuff, Kendall, that like looking at who the coaches can be very overrated. Right. I think we learned that through history, but looking at Mike Brown as a head coach. I can't imagine why he'd want Randall or definitely Randall, but he Randall or John Collins in a front court with a bonus. Like, right. Yeah. He's, I been, mean, a defense, he's been a defensive coach. He's been a guy that has had rim protectors in the past. Like, that just doesn't sound like that just sounds like a nightmare for him for like what he, now, if you were telling me this was Mike D'Antoni, I can see him saying, Oh yeah, give me all the offensive players. I can, I can, yeah, get. he, can, he the, can make it work. All the athletes I can get, I can make it work. Brown, I don't know, but again, this might not matter. He may like, still be able to get his rim protector in, in, in eleven. As Mark Williams, yeah, could, could be Mark Williams. yeah, yeah you, that's true. You know, Walker and then yeah, yeah, Walker. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now we're he, getting into the weeds of. Uh, well, yeah, he might have to trade down I mean, again. You got him that high on our board, but <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm saying like if you trade, but you I may have to trade down a second time to get him. Yeah, right yeah. You know, or you may, yeah, second pick. You know, there's plenty of rim protection in this draft. Yes. And it's not really, I mean, yes, you can get Chet at, at the top of the draft, but it's not going to be four through 10, you know, or four no. through eight, four through eight. You know, the best value is more so where the Knicks are picking. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that's that's a real conversation. And from the Knicks standpoint, like you said, who are they targeting? Um it really still could be any of those guys. I mean, Jaden Ivey is the one I, you know, I, I was talking to our dad about it and it feels a lot like, um, you know, the Knicks, the, the Jaden Ivey thing feels a lot like Trey Young for the Knicks where. When they <laughs> well, Please the, explain that. Cause that's, that's yeah. I think a lot of things, I think Trey Young and Knicks. So. Yeah, I know. It's, I know. A lot of them are, a lot of them are four letter words. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's put this in context. What does that mean? Exactly. So, I mean, we all remember, uh, it, it feels like ages ago at this point, but Trey Young coming out of Oklahoma, there was all this talk about, you know, he's got to be a Nick, right? I mean, mm-hmm, right. the way he plays, style of play, Knicks were, weren't great. Um, they missed out on Steph Curry. No, missed out on Steph Curry. Chance. That's right. the big thing. You know, we, we you know at that point Steph was champion MVP guy. We gotta we gotta get our you know our our, our you know repent you know our, our revenge you know for, for missing out on Steph Curry. Um, that's what this feels like with Jay Ivey, where they were a pick away from John Morant, and now 
and John Morant now is exploding as you know one of those Super is not the best point guard in the league. Yeah. And now you're in a conversation where you've got a guy coming out who's you know a mini John Morant, and and, that, and that's the thing about Trey Young is that that was always the thing. Well, I mean, what if he's not Steph? You know, and he's not Steph Curry. He's a different player, but he's still one of the best point guards in the NBA. So I don't think John, I don't think Jaden Ivey is John Morant, but it doesn't mean he doesn't wind up being an all-star or a superstar. It doesn't want, doesn't mean he's not Donovan Mitchell or he's not Victor Oladipo or he's not some other super dynamic guard, you know, that has his own game. So, you know, because of that, you feel like there's got to be a level of intrigue. And then when you tie in the CAA part of it, then you know, because that will always be the question with these guys. It's always going to be, well, yeah, Jay and Ivy sounds great, but do they know him? You know, do they have a relationship? Yeah, and, and that that means that means a lot to this yeah. front office. It just with does. this front office, it, it seems to have ties in a lot. I mean, especially when you're drafting that high, you feel like that's going to be something that they care about. And he checks off that box now, and he fits obviously from a basketball standpoint. So, and they need a point guard. So, the last top yeah. ten pick they drafted. The guy he was represented by Leon Rose's son. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I mean, and, you want to talk about just like how close this? And then his brother went and transferred to play for you know one of their close friends in right. King College. Right. Yeah, John so, Paris. Not is, a this, is, this is a this is a reality with Knicks. No, something fans don't. Want and the other guy they drafted also but, in that same draft also played for that same coach, Kentucky. Exactly. <laughs> so, so. so it, it you know. There are some dots to be connected. I think it is fascinating. That yeah, I did see. And it's interesting that Bagley's report said that it's the impression from other teams, not from the Knicks. The Knicks don't yeah. Anything. Now, I will say, you know, you just, you know, just not to be the, the poor cold water on the, on the story, but. It's draft season, so. It's draft season, and honestly, like, that's what teams will say. If you ask any any GM, what are you open to? Are you open to trading up? So, yeah. I mean, we're open to trading up. We're open to trading down. We're open to keeping the pick. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna close yourself off to any any ideas necessarily. But because yeah, you, you might get, a, you might be able to fleece a team. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, you you never know. You know what happens on draft night in terms of crazy offers. So, um, I'm assuming uh, we have to assume just for the sake of the conversation that this is this is legit or this is real and it's not just you know team speak. It's not GM speak, but. Um, that is something a lot of teams will say. Well, they they were at Jaden Ivey's pro day, the CAA pro day. So, are you sure that wasn't the that wasn't the family barbecue? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I <laughs> what I will say is, uh, and they also AJ Griffin. They were also been connected to is also a CAA guy. Yes, um, and I believe Tibbs. I got told Dad. I think. I think Adrian Griffin, I think, was on Tibbs' staff in Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago. That sounds about right, yeah. He might have coached him in Chicago, too. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely could have, yeah. At the end of his career. But, the, um, but yeah, no, I was I was going to say another trade rumor, draft trade rumor that, that's been thrown out there is there's been a lot of talk about DeAndre Ayton, just in general, but DeAndre Ayton to, to Indiana, potentially. Indiana or San Antonio in a trade up. I've heard Indiana strongly uh, at was a six could be a could be that they're willing to move. They want to say maybe Bill Simmons threw that out there or somebody that Indiana is very much willing to move six for DeAndre Ayton. Six and something. Would, Duarte would they be able to 
So how would that work? Would DeAndre Aiden have to sign an extension? Well, no, yeah, that that is always tough. Well, they have draft a guy, tampering. but yeah, yeah, because it, it was like the whole uh, was the deal with uh, Bogdanovich a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's like how does that like and Bogdanovich? You have never agree to anything. There's ways, obviously. That, that was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, by the way. He was traded to Milwaukee. Does, yeah, probably cost. I mean, they ended up winning a championship. It may have cost him this year, but uh, yeah, regardless. Uh, you know, Bill Duffy reps more, a lot more players than DeAndre Eaton, so I'm sure you just have a you have a conversation about somebody on your roster. Be like DeAndre. Right, but I'm saying to do it on draft day, though. Wouldn't you have to? Like you have to that... know, Indiana would have to. You would think they would have to know that. Uh, like that's not a trade they could even announce. They'd have to. Yeah, they wouldn't be able July to, have to or, They'd have to know that. July... Yeah, they just draft a guy and be like, he's willing to sign there. Yeah. But yeah, they'd have to. Yeah, the team would. Whoever they draft to this team to or whatever, right? Like I don't think the Pacers would even draft, or the the Suns would even draft at six. Like they they would just have to take on whoever, unless. Right. Just, I mean, no. you can tell the Pacers, "Hey, draft this guy. Aiton is gonna sign." Like, that's I think you can do that. That's I just think that it would be it would be very delayed until that ever got became official. Yeah, it, it, it's very it's it, the most likely scenario. Of what will happen? We could talk about what's legal, what's legal, and what's not. Is that the Pacers will know Aiton's willing to sign here for X amount. We're giving the max, obviously. Yeah. And Aiton's willing to play in Indiana and be the guy. So we're we're, we're going to draft for Phoenix. And Phoenix knows because they've probably talked to Aiden, and they've told us that Aiden's willing to sign here, so this is what's going to happen. And then Phoenix drafts for, and then you just wait until. Again, some of that is is tampering because we're not, you're not, Indiana's not supposed to know if Aiden's willing to sign there. But, um, but then my question would be, who would Phoenix target if they got into the into that range? I think I think I think Jalen Dern would be the guy that would jump out to me. They would they? It'd be the so media replacement. For, that, I've mentioned to you plenty of times off air that I think Duran is a player that could go a lot higher. You know, like, just there may be a one team that decides to reach for Jalen Dern. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of players like that in this draft, but he feels like one. You think Phoenix could be a team that decides to reach? Yeah, for I think him. they could. They could say let's get an immediate, immediate, um, an immediate replacement for Aiton. He doesn't have the overall offensive game of Aiton. Aiton is. Underrated, under, underratedly, very offensively skilled. But you're right. I was gonna say, he's a bigger plus offense defensively, a much bigger plus defensively than DeAndre Aiden. And I think Phoenix would would welcome that. I think they would say Chris Paul could coach him through how to run the pick and roll enough to where we'll still be solid and we'll run. Will they? Will Will James Jones have cold feet about drafting another big after the Jalen Smith debacle? Um. Or will they say, I mean, look, there's no Tyree Taliburton on the board, but will they say it's our chance to draft a, I don't know, if there's, there's no point guards. You can't that's, say. I just don't know. Yeah, I just, I just don't know who, you're, who you're getting that's going to, oh, a long term oh. I mean, are you drafting, uh, you know, Daniels? I mean, yeah, Indiana's probably not trading if Ivy's on the board unless they just want. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, yeah, they're not, yeah I, I think that they would rather have Ivy than Aiden. Would be my yeah, yeah, I think there's. There's uh, there's a lot of reasons why in terms of ticket sales and, and yeah, uh, first and foremost. But although Aiden with Halliburton, you know, yeah, yeah I, I mean, like, like, like kind of like you know, and a good plug for our mock draft. You know, Indiana's not in the worst scenario, which is what we talked about in our YouTube video. Yes, on doing the mock draft, they've got options. 
they have some options here. So I get, I can see Bill Simmons and others looking at them and seeing there's some different different things they can do and interesting things they, things they can do as they're in the midst of a, a rebuild there. So, well, this is a fun, this is a fun conversation, man. This is a, this yes. is a fun conversation, man. I, ha- I had a blast talking. It's been, you know, you've had your your prosperous stuff with the Celtics, but I've had my prosperous stuff with the Mets. The Mets are ten and a half games up on. Yeah, they, they gave on the Giants first. Smoke. Yeah, yeah. Now the Giants. That series in San Francisco was great, by the way. Um, yes. Some really good games. Giants had a great comeback when Jock Peterson three home runs. Uh, that was definitely the the high note of that month. The low moment. Low the low moment of that month came weeks later when he got smacked up by Tommy Pham for some questionable <laughs> yeah, we're gonna say... fantasy football decisions. Though it seemed like he did everything that was fair. I don't know what Pham's deal was, but uh, we're living in a post Will Smith world, I guess. Because <laughs> this is the first high-profile incident of somebody just getting smacked up for doing something insane. Also, by the way, like, not to cut you off, but yeah, uh, did you see your guy Drew Timmy has decided to return to Gonzaga? Wow! He announced it, uh, you know, just you know, with an hour left. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're recording this podcast at eleven nineteen <laughs> Eastern Time here, so uh, so yeah, an hour left at the deadline. So Timmy is back. Zaga remains loaded, man. It's going to be some of these decisions, these draft decisions, guys going and staying. Been some surprises. It's definitely surprised in terms of guys leaving. Um, Zaga's got NIL like that, man. Yeah, Gonzaga's got <laughs> got enough NIL bag to keep their stars around. Julian Strother, Drew Timmy, and Rashir Bolton all come back from the number one ranked team this past season. So that means they return everybody except for Nemhard. What can I say? <laughs> I really don't know what to say. I mean, damn, loaded, man. Hopefully they can find a way to crack through and finally win that chip. But that's going to do it. This is an edition of New Generation Sports Talk. Again, had a blast with my guy, Kendall. Hope you guys enjoyed this Super Size Finals preview edition. Of course, if you like this episode, be sure to check out all of our episodes on New Generation Podcast Network. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, like I said, check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Our first ever New Generation mock draft is up. Picks 1 through 14, all the lottery picks. Me and Kendall did a mock draft, so make sure you check that out to see where we think some of these guys will be going. Check that out. Once again, you can find that New Generation Media. Follow us also on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, as well as Facebook. You can search uh, us by finding uh, New Generation Media. And make sure you follow us individually on social media. Kendall is on Twitter, um, NewGenKen. I'm on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, ActionEJ. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. 